Everyone knows we're in the midst of a global climate crisis. While there has been some progress in recent years, you can't go a week without more news about the most recent devastating wildfire, hurricane-like conditions, intense heat, and it's impacting every single citizen around the world. If you're looking for a silver lining, then this may be the episode of Higher Learning for you, because Jackie Logan and Ray's Green are trying to change our climate fortunes in a big way. Ray's Green is a climate investment platform that brings people together who are building clean energy products and climate solutions, but need capital. And this connects them with investors big and small. Jackie is the chief investment officer at Ray's Green, where she leads the charge around all strategic development, company operations, and compliance with regulations. So how did she end up here? It wasn't a traditional path, to be sure. Jackie grew up in New York City, but spent her summers on a dairy farm in upstate New York. After her schooling, she got the opportunity to get on the trading floor at J.P. Morgan and was instantly hooked. She grew her career for many, many years before ending up as the VP of Private Wealth Management at Goldman Sachs. But even though she had accomplished so much in the investments banking space, she was interested in a bigger purpose. And it was gnawing on her that the environmental destruction that was happening around her, she wasn't doing anything about it. And so that's why in 2019, with other partners, she helped find Raise Green. In this episode, we'll talk about working with purpose, living in the moment, and why keeping an open mind when you first see your resume can be key to great hiring. I absolutely loved getting to know Jackie, and she left me both inspired and in awe after our discussion. I look forward to you all getting to hear from her too. Without further ado, let's get to the episode. Welcome to another episode of Higher Learning. I am your host, Oz Rashid. Today, we have a very special guest. Folks, we're joined by Jackie Logan, co-founder and chief investment officer at Ray's Green. Jackie, how you doing? I am doing great and thrilled to be here with you today, Oz. I'm so happy you're here with me. I'm so excited. There's so much I want to jump into. Let's start here. Where are you at right now? Where are you based out of? So I am sitting right now about an hour and a half north of New York City. Uh, my home base is New York City. Ray's Green uh, is uh, our, the, the company now has just actually moved from Greentown Labs, which is the, we're a climate tech company, uh, which is the largest climate tech you know, incubator in the United States to Climate Haven in New Haven, Connecticut, mm. which is uh, just kicking off. And we are one of the first companies that will be landing there. And what's exciting for me is that I'll have the opportunity to actually, you know, go up and, and work physically in the space, which I miss desperately. Um, and, uh, and be around a lot of folks uh, in the startup space. I absolutely love that. Or I, I don't know, are we breaking news on the podcast? Is, is, that, is that public information? We're putting it out there, though. It, it is It is relatively new, um, but it is, it is already, it's already out there. Um, so uh, we're super excited. I'm thrilled about that. All right, so let, let, let's get to it. I want to talk a little bit about Raise Green. Can you tell us a little bit about Raise Green? What does the company do? What's its mission, vision, values? Yeah. I'm interested in all of this. This is such a unique space. I got to be frank, I've never I've never interviewed or talked to anybody in this space uh, around climate incubators. Tell me a little bit about Raise Green. Sure. So Raise Green, we are a climate investment platform. Uh, we are registered with the SEC, a member of FINRA, and we bring together folks across the United States that are looking to raise capital, doing something in the climate solutions space. Um, think solar array on top of a school or new technology, anything that is touching, you know, climate solutions of some sort, we are interested in working with them and seeing if we can support them and help them, you know, uh, raise capital um, into their company or their entity. Uh, on the other hand, we uh, then bring the bring impact investors from across the United States to our fully online platform so they can take a look at these companies that are looking to raise capital and bring them together on our fully online marketplace uh, to make it happen uh, so that we can get private capital moving directly into climate solutions as quickly as we can. Because as we all know, uh, climate change is upon us and we are working our way towards uh, a tipping point at the end of this decade. And uh, we just we just got to get as much done do as we can. As so God bless you. As somebody that resides on planet Earth, I'm thankful for all the work you are doing and what attention and capital you're bringing to such uh, an important endeavor. 
I, it's awesome because I've interviewed a lot of climate tech CEOs of, of companies, um, and I've interviewed a lot of investors. And so I love bringing these two worlds together. Um, let me ask this. This first thing that just kind of popped into my head. Is there a lot of rigidity around um, how you classify climate tech in, in particular, or is it a situation where you're pretty open-minded and you let the founder kind of expound about why they think they're making an impact here? I'm just trying to get an understanding of how define that is or because it can be pretty broad based there's so many different areas of climate tech out there um mm -hmm. i'm interested for a raised green in particular where that line is drawn totally flexible you know <laughs> there is so much going on out there in the technology space that you know if you thought you knew what the categories were today they're different tomorrow so high level raised green will entertain and look at just about anything i think that's really smart and that's kind of where i was yeah. going with it because i just think this is such an evolving area um, mm -hmm. that the definitions change, right? Um, mm -hmm. And there's just so many different uh, parts of our environment that are impacted that I think that's probably a, a smart Absolutely. move. And I think that opens up the funnel to a lot of great companies um, yeah. to get, get funding. I just want to add one thing yeah. to that. It's not just climate technologies where we're ready to work with. It's communities that may be looking to raise capital for a solar array on top of like a community center or you know anything like that they can come to us as well, work with us to, you know, figure out how to package their offering uh, for that solar array, whatever it is they want to uh, raise capital for, get them up on our fully online platform and open it up to their local community to invest in, as well as other folks across the United States. So we are flexible. Come one, come all. That's what we say at Raise Green. That's fantastic. And that's, that's such a, uh... Such something for the community and so important that's going to open up your funnel so wide and it's going to make such an impact on making things better. I really, really love that. So funding investments in this space and climate space in particular, when did this become important to you? Was this something that when you were a little girl that you knew that you wanted or was there an inflection point at any point as you as you grew? So I have the great fortune of growing up in New York City um, and spending my summers and weekends on a dairy farm mm. uh, in Connecticut. So talk about like <laughs> two different worlds. Culture shock. Um, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I grew up with an incredible appreciation for, you know, the earth. Uh, you know, when you're a farmer, you live off the earth and you really are one with the earth. And uh, and just also the, the juxtaposition to life in a city. Um, grew up very early, just appreciating nature, recognizing that we live in a shared space and uh, we all have responsibility to do our part. Uh, scroll forward uh, in my last role um, at uh, in finance in a large bank, uh, I was working on some of the development of, uh, of ESG strategies, that kind of thing. And I just saw this incredible interest in private capital wanting to do something in this space, something meaningful and impactful. But when I looked at the equity markets and the public markets and, you know, and the quality of data that was available to understand impact, things like that, I just thought, you know what? Climate change is upon us. We don't have time. I need to take my 25 years of you know, securities, markets, capital markets experience, and my passion for this earth and climate, and find a way to move, get private capital moving directly into climate. And lo and behold, as life is, and this is something I always recommend to all of folks I meet, uh, is, you know, realize that tomorrow you may meet somebody, be open, you never know where that leads you. So I happen to run into my co-founders, one thing led to another. I joined Raise Green and uh, as a co-founder and I never looked back. Oh, wow. I love that. So I, yeah. I'm, listen, I'm just a civilian here. I care about the environment. I try to do my best to, to donate to different causes or vote for policy that is going to positively impact the environment. But if someone's not an LP, if they're not an angel investor, if they're not a, a firm with capital and they want to get involved with climate change and they ask you, where do I start? What do you recommend mm -hmm. to somebody like that? So two things. Number one, uh, there is so much going on in climate. You know, there are groups, there are meetups. All you have to do is Google it. What's happening in my city, you know, in climate? There is, there's just so much happening. And 
the wonderful thing that I have found uh, and what's really special about this space is there is a level in which even if you're in a competitive business of some sort, in theory, in some sort, we, rec we recognize that it's a race for the same outcome. And so we have a shared concern. And so most folks are so welcoming to anybody who wants to join the space. So I say just get online, Google around, you'll see there are things happening and folks are very, very interested in, in bringing you on board. That's number one. And number two, we say to folks, hey, jump on raisegreen.com. We, we are issuing securities under one regulation called regulation crowdfunding. The beauty of that is it's simple, it's online, it's direct projects, and for as little as $100, you can today invest in a climate project that you feel passionate about. Um, very, very small initial investment sizes. Yes, investing is always risky, so I'm not, you know, th there's all that um, that I want to make sure that disclaimers, yep, all those claims. But one of the things is at the end of the March, folks are like, "Well, what do I do now?" And we always say, "Jump on Raise Green and see if there's something that you'd like to look at and invest in." I love that. So, listen, you know, one of the things that our our, our show tries to do is, you know, there's very complex jobs out there, and we want to simplify them a little bit and help people understand what it is. Say, a chief investment officer does. So, I'm interested how you got into the world of finance and did you take a non a traditional path a non traditional path and and what does a chief investment officer do at a platform like a company like Raisegreen sure so uh i you know came into went to college and all this kind of thing thinking i was going to be a doctor <laughs> and uh, loved science uh etc you know during that journey in college decided mm, maybe not and uh, started, you know, in business. Uh, in one thing led to another. I went to graduate school and uh, had an opportunity to do a summer internship on a trading floor. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that I saw. I, I one day went to see the car, uh, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the crazy outcry you know, trading that was going on. And I'm a very high energy, gregarious person. And I, and I just said to myself, I have to be involved in this. Oh, wow. So after graduate school, um, I got my MBA. I went and I worked for over a decade uh, at JP Morgan on the trading floor um, in fixed income and uh, had the amazing opportunity to cover you know, very large institutional investors. And then from there, did a startup from there, um, scroll forward, did a few other things in between, went back uh, uh, in my career to directly into finance uh, at Goldman Sachs and uh, overseeing trading from a compliance perspective. And uh, as I said, you know, during that amazing time at Goldman, had the opportunity to work with desks that were creating investment strategies in this area and said, that is the next place I need to be. And uh, did I ever think I would be at a startup at my age? Uh, I am a boomer. Uh, I never would have guessed it, but honestly, it is the only place for me right now. So in terms of what I do, um, so when you're at a startup, you typically roll up your sleeves and you do a lot more than just your title, which is part of the fun. Um, but uh, my main focus uh, at Raise Green uh, as the chief investment officer is I am overseeing uh, the marketplace. That is everything, all the transactions, the back and forth, you know, between investors and issuers during a raise uh, to make sure that we are following the regulations uh, and that investors are having a good, uh, you know, a very positive experience. Uh, in addition, I will step in and, and get involved in some of the structuring of some of the securities, um, because as you can imagine, we have folks coming to us that have never done a securities offering. So, you know, I'll get pulled in with the team to have those conversations to help them figure out what is most advantageous for them and what will be most interesting to uh, uh, the impact investing, you know, base. Um, and uh, and then anything else that comes along, uh, we'll jump in and, and assist on. You get that true startup mentality. I love it. Now, one thing you, as you were speaking, I was thinking about, and I'm thinking about movies like Wall Street. And I've had some friends who are investment banking and commercial banking. And I've had a couple of people I know that went on that trading floor and then said, this isn't for me. I, I want to go do something else. So I'm interested. 
is there any advice for you have for anybody that's getting a career start off in investment banking or anything core principles you would tell them to keep in mind as they get started in that space? That's a good question. Um, look, uh, I would say uh, that as a general matter, you know, be ready to put in a lot of hours. Okay. Um, uh, I would say show initiative. Uh, I would say uh, you will be expected uh, to learn a lot on your own. Uh, don't expect to be handed. Uh, and uh, I, you know, generally it's a little bit of a sink or swim atmosphere. Uh, so you need to be ready on your toes, bring your A game really every day. Yeah. Um, and that is incredibly exciting for a certain stream of folks. And if it is, it's for you. Um, if it's not, uh, then it might not be the area for you. Okay, I'm going to come back to that because we're going to have hiring questions in a minute. And I and I want to get into what are the behavioral care qualities you're looking for in that specific environment that lead to success? Because I think I find that to be fascinating. But I want to ask you this one last thing on climate, because I think this is important. My take from just the news and watching recent policy and things like that is that I feel like over the last few years, there's been some real progress made on the climate side, but I'm, I'm a layman, right? So my question to you is, as somebody who's deep in this space and is probably following it very, very closely, much more than myself, do you feel like we've made progress? I know there's a long way to go, but do you feel that at least over the last three or four years, this isn't falling on deaf ear anymore and that we're starting to make changes as a country and as a, as a, as a, as a world uh, in a positive direction? So um, I'm going to say yes, because I think the most important message that we need to get out is a hopeful message. Um, there is hope. Um, there is, as I said earlier, there is so much going on in climate. Folks in every nook and cranny you can imagine working on different aspects of climate solutions, whether everything from you know, uh, carbon capture, you know, pulling the carbon out of the air, um, and actually, last week, uh, the Biden administration announced a $1.2 billion effort um, funding uh, hubs and bringing together innovators in the space so that they can riff off each other, uh, all the way to, um, you know, local communities starting to pass, you know, by 20x, we're going to be fully renewable energy. So it's happening out there. Is it happening fast enough? No. But it's happening. And now for the first time, we have such a huge tailwind behind us with the Inflation Reduction Act um, that if, you know, a lot needs, still needs to be figured out and implemented, we're still waiting from, for Treasury to give a certain guidance, et cetera, et cetera. But if, if, it is, if, it, if it is accessed and used, you know, appropriately, we are going to make, we are going to just jump leaps ahead um, to, to tackle this thing. Uh, you know, we have not, uh, and we need to bring everyone along. That's the other important thing is to be focused on, you know, one of the things to be focused on making sure that communities that have not been attended to in the past, you know, they, they get access as well to all the benefits of, of what's coming and the justice 40, um, coming out of the, the Biden administration is helping to address that. Um, but uh, uh, anyhow, so yeah, so I, I am a believer that, you know, we just got to keep our eye on the prize. Everybody keep push, pushing forward and every little bit matters from the $100 investment to the large, big, big, big project. And, you know, if we all roll up our sleeves and do something, we are going to get there. Yeah. And I think the bringing everyone along thing is really important and something that's not talked about. I mean, Impoverished communities are the ones that are probably going to face the biggest downstream impacts of, of, of the effects of climate change. Mm -hmm. um, so I just think it's very important that we we recognize that and we we do everything we can to bring everybody along and, and make for a better, healthier you know, world mm -hmm. going forward. I'm excited to hear about so much of the of the capital that's in this space now, and hopefully that pushes us forward. Lord knows we have a long way to go. But long way to go. It does, it does make me feel better that at least we're taking some big steps and uh, there's some tailwinds there. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that. So let's talk about what we're here to talk about. We want to talk about hiring. I know you've been involved with hundreds of hires throughout your career. And so I'm interested. I want to start here. Whether you be hiring for somebody on the trading floor or hiring somebody for uh, Raise Green, what any type of like core hiring philosophies or any type of like in, things that you're going in and saying, I want this or I, I need this. Tell me a little bit about that. 
uh, interesting. Trading floor and raised green are, are two different things. Yeah, but but I will say that you know one of the things and one of the things that was very important to me joining raised green is you know kind of an ethical um, compliance. Uh, 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 um, transparency, um, you know, when you're working at a company and it's incredibly important, uh, that, that we have an atmosphere of, you know, that's ethical and that we're doing the right thing and that we are upfront and that we, and that folks are inclined to escalate. If there's an issue, I want it escalated and I want it escalated quickly because the bottom line is number one, you probably can't solve it yourself. Number two, the sooner you escalate it, we're going to bring in all kinds of brain power to figure out how to solve this issue. And sometimes, you know, it, depending on what the, whatever the issue is, and, and you have to remember, I'm thinking financial trading markets, moving these kinds of things, why, you know, this is incredibly important um, is that, you know, sooner is better than later. Just, just figure. So I, I, I need to get a feeling that I can work with somebody who's going to be, you know, very upfront, honest and forthright. So that's a critical, I don't care whether I'm a trading floor harm at Ray's Green, or frankly, if I'm anywhere, um, it's important, but it's particularly important in regulated environments. And when we're dealing with financial um, products, uh, the other thing is, do I, are they pleasant to work with? Right. I mean, because there's going to be a lot of hours that we spend together um, and, um, you know, we want to feel like that we're working together as a team, that the person knows how to collaborate, but also can work independently. That is regardless, you know, either of those roles. Um, If I'm on the trading floor, I, uh, you know, there, there really needs to be, you need to be ready to um, uh, be quick, uh, move fast, uh, not be afraid um, if things get heated and be able to stand your ground. Um, and, uh, you know, as I said, and then it's a very, very much a relationship business uh, still. Uh, so the ability to develop relationships, what does it take to maintain client relationships or inner relationships within the firm, uh, so that there's a good flow of information, people want to go to you, uh, and, uh, and trust you, you know, at, at Raise Green, you know, we're a startup, right? So we need people who are ready to just come in here with full energy, understanding that we may need to pivot on things. You might come in to do one thing, but we might need you to, you know, all of a sudden we, we get an opportunity somewhere else. I need to feel that folks are somewhat flexible, um, but at the same time, understand what I need them to come in to do and are, you know, willing to come in and do that, um, uh, you know, at least up front. Um, and uh, let me ask you a follow up there real yeah. quick. So when it comes to the with ethics and integrity and honesty being so important up front. Very important. Do you do anything in the interview process or any type of favorite questions or any type of like, how, how do you, because listen, I I think for most part, most people are inherently good. There are some bad actors out there, whether, whether it be their resume, whether it be how they answer questions, whether it be falsifying something. How do you weed that out early on to make sure that you don't bring in somebody like that into your organization? Mm-hmm. Well, it is... I would say that in the interviewing process, what I tend to do is ask about situations where they, you know, they identified an issue and how did you handle it? Mm-hmm. And a piece of what I'm looking to hear is what was the escalation process? You know, how did you, was it your issue? You know, how did you rectify it? What, did you, what was your manager's response? Did you think it was a good one or not a good one? Like I, st- I try to look in on you know, real life examples to see if they get it. Um, and uh, that's probably the, the biggest way um, I will look at it. You know, of course, anybody that comes into work in a financial organization will have a full background check. So if there's any real problems. You'll and then the other thing is, is, you know, I make it, I make it very clear in the interview process as well that that is very important to me and that 
and I, you know, so I make it clear there. And then once somebody actually comes on board, I continue that process by making, by making them feel that if you come to me, you know, and I do it through experience, I demonstrate that I don't go, why did you do that? I, 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 I think in the, you know, four years I've been at Raise Green, I've never done that. Um, and there've been things that have been escalated because I always want someone to feel comfortable that they could come to me. First thing is let's, you know, let's solve it, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, if, uh, to the extent that, uh, I see there's an opportunity to continue to drive that message. I will have personal one-on-one communication about that, probably repeatedly. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Also, I think it's probably, and this has probably come out throughout throughout your career, you also have to maintain a culture of, I'm saying it, but I I believe it and I act on it too. And so if there's been any type of indiscretion or somebody's being dishonest, I'm sure you've had to lead by example there too and say, that's not tolerated here. And that that really sets the tone too, I imagine. I also live by, you know, we make mistakes, we learn from mistakes. And I always say, look, let's be grateful. We found this mistake, right? And we're going to figure out what do we, how do we change our process so it doesn't happen again? Obviously, if we have to remediate, we do. And then we say, hey, better it happened on this smaller issue and we'll avoid a bigger one next time. So you, you know, you come in fundamentally, you believe that people are doing the best job they can. And so therefore we're going to just, we're going to learn from this. Yeah, I love that. So do you, if I asked you to think of a memorable interview experience, whether it be you interviewing or you interviewing somebody else, does anything come to mind? So um, let's see, is uh, I, you know, I could share with you just generally, you know, what I, I'm noticing in interview in, in resumes yeah. now and in interviews, which I'm actually struggling with. Sure. And that is, and I think it's an outgrowth of COVID. Uh, and you know, I look, I used to be able to look at a resume and go, okay, went to college here and then worked here and then worked there and then went to grad, you know, but now people are working double jobs. You know, they may be doing, I saw a resume recently where they were both doing a job in India as well as in, you know, in Chicago, you know, in Chicago or something. And I was like, you know, so point being is, I would say just a general comment I'm finding that I need to, I, I need to have more of a conversation when I'm meeting with folks uh, to say, wait a minute, uh, take me through your, your experience because I'm not able to like connect the dots in a linear fashion. Uh, And so that I can really tease out what their, what their work experience is. Um, yeah, I think, I think what's interesting about that is that like, you know, we're in a time now where, you know, growth in your career or the path in your career is less linear than it's ever been, right? Um, you know, back in my my mom and dad's day, right? You know, most of them were, you know, with companies, you know, for 30, 40, 50 yeah. years until they got the gold Rolex, right? And as time has gone on, right, we've seen, you know, people are going into contracting, people are starting their own company, people have a side hustle, people go back to school, people are working, you know, multiple yeah. remote jobs, like there's, Lots of different things going on out there. And I think one of the things I, you know, I know we talked about this a little bit, like I I give you a lot of credit in that you had those questions about the resume, but you didn't make that the be all end all and say, yep, scrap it, which would have been the easy thing to do. It sounds like in in some of these situations you're talking about, you were able to have conversations with these candidates. They were able to convey some of those things that were confusing and you ended up ultimately making hires. Is that right? Absolutely. Look, at the end of the day, we need the right people, right? It is about the people and like the resume and, you know, look, there shouldn't be something fraudulent on it uh, because that is a sign. Uh, but understanding that in this new paradigm, things are being presented in all kinds of which ways uh, is to come into it with an open mind and really dig into, you know, what's your story, um, understanding what their skill sets are from their from their life experience. What are their goals? What do they want to do? Uh, and really coming out with a good picture of who that individual is uh, and how they might fit in our organization uh, is is really the goal of the interview, right? And yeah. not hang, not hanging up on uh, on on some like nick or knack, right? Yeah, I'd love to tell you that that that's how most people think, but that you're absolutely in the minority there. And like I said, I give you a ton of kudos on it. Like I've gotten a little bit of 
online notoriety for using a certain F word with the resume, but here's why. I think the resume is an archaic artifact and something that we've been doing for many, many years. Did you know that Leonardo da Vinci actually made the first resume? That's a no. true Yeah. Good. And so, yeah, so it's, it's literally been running around for hundreds of years. And this is, we haven't really improved upon that process. And the thing that kills me about it is that I think it's one of the biggest blockers to meritocratic hiring for this reason. We have biases, conscious and unconscious. And every time we review a resume of somebody's experience, we are inferring certain things in a lot of ways sometimes in very poor ways, like discriminatory ways, like a names and things like that, which is absolutely unacceptable, but also simple things like, oh, this person had a sabbatical for a year, or hey, this person went to two different colleges, or this person didn't major in the, in, in the thing that I would want them to major in. And so we, you know, we use a lot of heuristics in this world where we want to make short, mental shortcuts all the time. And so a lot of times those people don't even get a chance. And so I think what is the most important thing when hiring somebody? How do they line up with the requirements of the role? If they went and they opened up a Waffle House, you know, six years ago, but they still have all the, the skills and behaviors and qualities I need out of this role, then I wonder if that matters, right? And so I think sometimes left to our own devices, we we make bad decisions or we we close people out when really they could be great fits. And again, that's why I think what you did stood out is that you had those questions, but you went toward with the interview and it sounds like you made two good hires. So, so you know, I love to mentor young people. And you know, there's a lot of folks interested in in getting in the climate space. And I always welcome someone wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn and you know to chat about what I've been up to and why because we need more people in this space. But I was uh, mentoring a, a young person. I am mentoring a young person, and you know, he sent me his resume, stellar. You know, from you know, performance and et cetera, et cetera, from, from an Ivy League college and all this kinds of stuff. And I was looking and of course there's, you graduated here and then you started working here and there's the year gap. And I said, well, what, what's the, what happened there? And he goes, oh, he goes, well, I was a ski instructor. I'm like, and you didn't put that on your resume. I mean, he goes, well, you know, actually, and then we had such a great conversation. It is how, you know, like he learned how to deal with parents and with kids and with issues he had to do payroll, you know, like whatever it is. I mean, that's a microcosm of skills learned, et cetera, et cetera, particularly on a young person that hasn't had a lot of work experience. I found that super valuable. Plus I'm thinking, you know, that took some guts to do it. And yeah. I like that. So some, I'm promising you though, some know-it-all saw him. Maybe he had that on there. He told him, should I put this in there? He's like, nope, they're going to, oh, yeah. you're going to get disqualified for that. And see, listen, it led to a great conversation for you. And so like, I, I, I love that. And I think here's the thing, you know, I've told people this before. I've had people on this very uh, podcast say, you know, when I'm looking at a resume, if I see a bunch of different jobs, uh, you know, in a short time span, and that's an automatic disqualifier for me. And listen, I get it. Like, again, heuristics are important. Um, mm -hmm. I would say this, though, right? Sometimes it's not always the full story, right? And I know we're all trying to save ourselves time and we don't want to waste time and you can make an educated guess, but there's a chance that you're missing out on somebody really good too, right? Because at the end right. of the day, it's like any stereotype. Yeah, it might make sense some of the time, but that doesn't mean that you should use it all of the time. And so that's one of the things where, you know, especially that's when you right. look at 2008, 2009, 2010 during the financial crisis, like you said, over the last few years, um, it just seems like with COVID and, and and a bunch of different situations that people have had more jobs than ever. And so I get it. I understand why people say it. I've been uh, accused of, you know, doing, I can say I've done that my, myself in the past, but I've tried to go away from it because again, I want to hire the best people. And sometimes that resume, it only tells 10% of the story. Mm -hmm. Now, how is AI going to impact this? Because obviously, you know, when an influx of resumes, I presume they'll be using AI to try to like weed out. AI should be trained to look for not just oh, the you didn't the, do this on purpose you you sound no, like you I did up I, here no because it's it's like it's it really just popped in my head right now I'll tell you what it is we're building a software called Aon and it's 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 the tool that's built for hiring managers and it's supposed to be the guide and sherpa for them around best hiring practices and also help them with their biases and so one of the things that we did there's a couple of different things we did with the resume one one of the biggest complaints we've heard from hiring managers, because listen, they've got a day job and a lot of times hiring is really critical. They acknowledge that, but it pulls them away from their other to do's and deliverables, right? And so sometimes it's a burden to move out of one mindset and move into this hiring yeah. mindset. And one of the things that they complained a lot about was the dang resume. I've got to go through 10, 15, 20, yeah. 25 of them, right? And it takes about a minute to, to a minute and a half to kind of process what you're yeah. looking for. Um, and that's a lot of time that's 30 minutes gone right there. And so at least to do it, to do it well. And so what we did is we're, but we've built AI that 
actually was built off of the 12 years of R&D we have here at MSH on how I and our recruiters looked at resumes and how we identified quickly if they're a good match or not, the different things that we did that kind of made the secret sauce. And so what happens is a resume goes into our portal and it's called uh, resume intelligence and it breaks down for you. Here are the three things that align with the requirements. Here are the three red flags you need to follow up on. Here's their average tenure. Ooh. Here's this, here's that to give a quick summary and synopsis to help you be able to filter through that. We also have done things around hiding the name of somebody or hiding their LinkedIn so that you're just basing it off of what the requirements are against the position. So what we're trying to do is get away from this general document that everybody looks at and says, this is my life story here, and you can make up tons of presumptions around it, and rather say, nah, we're going to put something in place that is really aligned with what you said was important and what you need to follow up on in an interview process. And so we've got done a ton of testing and gotten feedback on that. We're really excited about it. The hiring managers seem to love it. And so that's something that AI is, is, is going to really help streamline things. Now, the other side of it, though, is and why it makes the resume even more inconsequential is that consumers have access to AI as well. And so if you're using your resume and having AI build the ideal resume, then that's going to be less a sign of your quality, who you are and how you put together a resume, which I would debate if that's even important as it is. Um, but it's going to make everything much more, you know, template and boilerplate and structured which means even less. And that's why what matters is the requirements against the role and company and you as a hiring leader, more so than some general document that says I did this from X to X. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what's great about that too is I really want to spend my time when I'm talking to somebody getting a sense of who they are, because at the end of the day, I, I want a partner to work with. Like if I'm yep. hiring someone, you know, to, to do the day-to-day -day work in the market in our marketplace, for example, like we're going to be partners, and I want to feel one I can rely on them, you know that they are, uh, you know that they have few, you know whatever those few skills are, and that I really want to work with them. And you really get that in conversation, and yeah. to the extent that you can you can cut to the chase by pulling all those key things out, um, that also just helps you know, the dialogue during the interview process yes, as well. Flip that script. Candidates don't want to be interrogated and 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 yeah. then have an informal or or too formal or rigid of a conversation. They want to have a rapport. They want to get to know who they're potentially working yeah. with. And so what AI is going to do, and there's a lot more where that came from, but what AI I think is going to do and great technology is going to do is it's going to enable the human interaction. It's mm. not going to replace it. It's not going to yeah. automate it. This is way too intimate and important of a, of a, of a decision yeah. hiring, right? To make it fully automated. But what it can do is it can take a lot of the administrative burden or the, the cognitive complexity that comes with this yeah. process and make it more about building that one-to-one -one connection. Like we're building right now, Jackie, that's yeah. what great <laughs> hiring feels like. So I, I, I also feel in an interview, uh, you know, like, I feel I need to sell as well, right? So it's not just somebody selling to me. I need to sell. I mean, using the word sell, which has- a No, I know what you mean. You want to convey what's good about my company. And hey, by the way, here's kind of the non-negotiables that might not be so great either. Yeah, because let's put our cards on the table because, you know, we're- you know, It's about fit. I want you, yeah, I want you to want to do this. And, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, and, and here's what it is uh the yeah. good and the bad so so listen let me i gotta ask you that we're yeah. segueing into it what do you use now to to evaluate candidates are you using excel like what 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 are the tools you use to hire yeah so we have an absolutely fabulous operations manager here at first of all everybody at raise green the team is just amazing and which is part of you know what what you know makes every day great even though you know there are tough days um trust you me uh, but, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll define a job, uh, work together as, as a team, you know, if, because there are certain jobs that we are looking for, um, there'll be a job description and we'll all work on it together, make sure it makes sense. Um, and then, uh, she'll put that job description out to certain, um, outlets and, uh, some of them are climate oriented, et cetera. And then as the resumes come in, we do have an Excel spreadsheet, which you know identifies all the resumes that come in, and there's a first screening of them in terms of uh, by somebody by both uh, our operations manager who just knows everything about the business and is fabulous, but also the the person who is 
you know, knows most about the role itself. And then just quickly going through to say, you know, you know, is, are they too experienced for this? Are they, you know, whatever, and to whittle it down to, you know, a group, and then, then they will bring them in. And uh, our operations manager will interview them first, and then make it through the rounds. And we try to have each person uh, that looks to join the firm really touch, you know, certainly all of the senior management, uh, so that they get a chance, because we're joining, you're joining the Rays Green family. So, um, so everybody get, they get to know us and we get to know them. Uh, so yeah. And then when, you know, somebody comes on board, if, even if it's not like somebody directly in my area, uh, as you know, cause I oversee more of the marketplace area, um, maybe it's more in the projects area, uh, like the fact that I had an opportunity to interview them during the process, we already have a relationship. And that's a great way to start at a firm. So we're a small firm, so we can do this. But I encourage everybody to do that. Yeah. God bless that operations manager. If you haven't thanked her today, do so. Because that you got a lot of manual things there, but she sounds like she's hurting all the cats and getting everything together and making for beautiful outcomes. That's amazing. Yeah. Hey, look, if you want us to test out your your AI, you let us know. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to hold you to that. All right. Last question. When you're hiring people for Raise Green, you know, and you want to give them a good candidate experience, but is it important that they, that they have, you know, a real passion about the environment? Is that something that you're asking in the actual interview? And if, the, if it's something where, you know, that that's not like their biggest passion, is that something that is kind of a drawback in terms of hiring them? How do you view that? So I would say that if you're, you know, if you're interested in working at Raise Green, there has to be a level at which you see the mission. Sure. Because, you know, the days can be long, uh, you know, w- you know, everybody who comes to work for Raise Green gets, you know, ownership in the company gets, you know, uh, but, you know, salaries range here, right? So, I mean, you got to be here. You got to want to be here. And you want to be here because first and foremost, it, well, there's a lot of reasons, but I would say that you have to, you have to love what we're trying to accomplish. Whatever aspect of the business you're going to work on, you just got to love the overall concept, which is basically, you know, helping, you know, opening up access to capital, democratizing capital uh, in the climate solution space, small to medium sized, you know, projects and companies that are trying to do something, and then really caring about democratizing access to investment as well, because that's what we do at Raise Green. It's really about that whole um, you know, soup to nuts feel. And, uh, you know, we need people that, that, that get that and believe in the mission because so that we just keep coming back at it and working hard at it. And, uh, and as I said earlier, you know, when you meet folks that are in this climate space, there is just like a collaborative feeling. And so you really need to come in with that, that, that sense. And the way I get at that is one is, you know, we're just chatting, you know, people don't, you know, some folks actually have had real live work experience or they said, look, I went back to school because of this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you can just, you know, it will come out in the conversation as to why do you want to come work here? And uh, so. Uh, yeah, I, I'll tell you, that's the only right answer. I think that people will leave for more money. People will leave for a new industry, yeah. new environment. But when they have true purpose in their work, that is so hard to, to, to walk away from um, that. It's the one thing that really keeps people engaged in their work and excited about their work. You know, I used to say the number one correlation between happiness in, in your job, at least that was, this was my own experience, subjective experience of talking to thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of candidates was uh, relationship with your manager. And listen, that is super important. That hasn't changed one iota. However, I also think, especially when I look at Gen Z and I look at millennials, purpose and broader purpose to what you're doing, right? So, so important is what keeps them engaged um, and what keeps them developing and and, and running through a wall um, to, 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 to get what you need to get done. So I just think it's important. Like if you're going to bring anybody in your organization, you got to believe in what we're trying to do. And you got to want to be part of that because there's going to be tough days and there's going to be long hours from time to time. And there's going to be issues and, and anxious moments. And that yeah. is what will help you persist through those yeah. moments, that sense of purpose. And, right? and I will say I've seen it firsthand. Yep. Because in 2023, we 
we, you know, fundraising for startups, it's been challenging. Sure. Uh, you know, if you read all the papers and things like that, I mean, thankfully we're in a good space, but, and, you know, our team went right through it with us. So, uh, you know, luckily we're on the other side now and, uh, uh, but it really was just the commitment. Uh, and, and also I, you know, you know, folks have to feel that the, the company is committed to them as well. And uh, to the extent that they can be. And, you know, that's an important message to that people need to feel and know. Um, and that's why we feel it's important for folks to have, you know, ownership in the company. I love that. Now, you explained a little bit about what you do as a chief investment officer day to day. So I'm going to ask you, when you go home at night or close your laptop for the night, whenever yeah. you're done, <laughs> and you feel you had a productive day, what probably happened during that day? I would say that I, um, uh, oh, that's, that's, oh God, there's so many things that could have happened. One, we could have had a, a breakthrough on like a structure for an, a company or an organization that wants to raise capital is trying to figure out how to do it. And, you know, we work with an amazing legal team at, um, who works with us, two legal teams, Stradley, Rowan and uh, Ronan and uh, Morrison and Foster. I mean, we couldn't couldn't exist without them. Um, and you know, we're we're wrangling this because this is a project that just has to happen. It's a solar array in a low income community, and they just have you know we're trying to make it work and whatever. And just in terms of and that's the beauty of the of what we do at Raise Green. We will work to figure out flexibly how can we get a structure that will work for all. And and when we get like a breakthrough like that on something it's like uh i leave the day and i'm like yes because then it opens it up to replicate that for others and as well for that individual effort that you know we've you know pushed the edge of the envelope and we try to do that here at raise green um it can also be that you know one of our offerings just is just like doing really well um and the folks are investing and uh, it can be that we've had a breakthrough. We have several strategic initiatives here. We're working on carbon offsets, a few other things, and we have a little breakthrough on something yet, you know, to move the organization along. Um, and then, of course, if I'm interviewing, if we find an, you know, an amazing candidate, I mean. Now you're just, you're playing to your audience right now. No, I'm saying <laughs> because it is about the people. I love that. And I uh, it makes all the difference. You know, it, it is the difference for us. Uh, that is our IP. Yeah. Uh, at Green. So you're yeah. literally preaching of the gospel on this one. I am so with you on that. Yeah. What are you working on? You mentioned a couple of things just now. What is something you're working on right now that you're really juiced about? Something that gets you out of bed in the morning. You're really excited. So, oh God, there's so many things. Um, uh, I would say I am, you know, anything that is, is pushing the edge of our ability, ability as a funding portal to, to help finance, uh, you know, some really meaningful thing that's going on out there um, and, and, you know, to be able to bring it uh, to the crowd. Uh, and we are looking at the Inflation Reduction Act right now and different components of that where, let's say, monies might be coming back to somebody who's doing something in the climate space, but doesn't have the capital now and trying to figure out how to structure securities around the, the, the need now, uh, which will be paid back later. Um, and there's lots of different pockets to do that. So that is super interesting. We're working on a whole variety of, of, of uh, activities there. Um, I mentioned carbon offsets, uh, super interesting uh, and, uh, doing something in a very transparent and, uh, you know, meaningful and, and, uh, additional way, uh, to break through on smaller scale stuff, which doesn't really have access to this market. Uh, very, very juiced about that. And, um, yeah. And, uh, oh, so, much, so, to be excited for, so much to be grateful for. You're oh, blessed. I love so it. Much. You so love much. your work. I can feel your passion and energy in your answer. Passion. Yeah, it's great. And, uh, and you know what, your work is important too, because honestly, <laughs> if organizations can't function unless they have great people. 
And so I, that's what you do. And I couldn't, really, I couldn't matter, agree anymore. Small organizations don't have time to be, you know, so to the extent that, you know, you offer a value add service to bring the most important capital that we can have in a firm, you know, yeah. you, gotta be, you gotta be juiced as well. I'm ju- I am, I, I listen, I used to, when I first got into this space and I didn't, I started in technology, but when I got into it, I almost like couldn't believe that people didn't see it the way I did, right? When you join a new company, that's one of the nine or 10 things that happens in your life that's going to change everything, right? Relationships, commute, responsibility, development. You know, when you're a hiring manager and you bring somebody great into your team, that makes a world of difference. Can mean you getting promoted. It can mean higher quality of life. It's that important. And then certainly as a company, the difference between number one and number 10 in your industry is the people you bring in. So for me- this has been my life's work. I want I want companies to be more certain about it. I want people to feel more certain about it when they go into an interview and accept a job. Um, and so we're working tirelessly to make that happen. So I appreciate yeah. you calling that out. And it is something that I, I care deeply about. And I'm glad to hear that you do too. It means great things for Ray's Green in the very near future, I'm sure. Let me ask you one more question. Sure. One bit of career advice that maybe you didn't know early on in your career when you first went out on that trading floor to all the, but you do know now, or maybe our early in career talent, what what bit of career advice would you offer them? Maybe something to keep in mind as they start their career. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I would say life's a journey. And, uh, you, you know, it is, and today especially, because there really is the ability to almost work anywhere from another location. Like there is so much out there and which, I, you know, that can be overwhelming as well. But my my advice is whatever you're doing right now, do it, do it to the best of your ability, learn as much as you can in that role and, and make relationships and don't worry about 10 years from now. First worry about right now and doing the best job you can. And then, you know, considering what might be next but i wouldn't spend my if you're doing something great and you're learning and whatever don't be worrying about the next thing now do what you're doing right then and there things are going to pop up life is a journey did i ever think at the age of 21 that i would be you know my first job was at american express and I, like all the big would did i think i'd be working at a climate startup you know at my age the answer is zero but the what I, I want to ensure everybody first health right take care of your health overall but then just take it one step at a time get the most out of one opportunity things are going to come you'll never imagine where you're going to end up and just embrace it live in the moment great advice jackie i really appreciate you coming on i'm so excited for the work you all are doing at raise green and i'm so, excited to keep following along yeah. as you all grow and, and do yeah. such impactful things in this space thanks and, so much and, and may i just do this a call yes, to action uh anybody's out there in the climate space looking to raise capital jump on raisegreen.com there's you know you can just fill out a little welcome survey um and if you want to take climate action today just pop on our website sign up for the newsletter and see what we're doing R-A-I-S-E-G-R-E-E-N.com. You got it. Love it. I hope everybody visits and checks it out. Thank you so much for coming on, Jack. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Higher Learning with me, Oz Rashid. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. 